0: Really good that day. Nothing was going to stop that girl. And second, um, she was practicing positive thinking. She had some really good thoughts going on in her head. And as goofy as that video is, it really sets up what today's message is about. Um, we're going to discuss what it means to honor Christ with our minds and with the thoughts that we think today. I titled this message "Spiritual Warfare of the Mind." Um, as most of you know, about two months ago, I tied the knot with my beautiful wife, Sarah. Yeah, and um, I love being married. It's great, definitely difficult and challenging at times, but I would take married life any day over being single. And definitely one of the things I've been reminded of through my marriage is how our thoughts can affect every other area, every other part of your life. So if you have, for example, if you have daily thoughts that fill you with insecurity, it's going to affect uh, your ability to relate and connect with your wife. Um, If you If you regularly have unrealistic thoughts of how your spouse is going to complete you or somehow fulfill you and give you true meaning in life, you're probably in for a surprise once you walk down the aisle. Um, If you have daily thoughts that just remind you of all your past sins or the past sins of your spouse and you let that affect the present, it's really going to hinder you from connecting to that person. Um, There's a fair amount of information on this topic, and issue of honoring Christ with our minds. A lot of books have been written about it, Probably one of the most popular that a lot of you will know of is a book called The Battlefield of the Mind, written by author Joyce Meyer. Um, it's sold over three million copies, so we can definitely safely say that honoring Christ uh, with our minds is something a lot of Christians struggle with. Um, and if you're a Christian, our enemy, the devil, he wants to do everything he can to fill your mind with lies and deceit and distractions, anything else that would hinder you from uh, growing in your relationship with Christ and taking others with you. On that journey. Um, Most of you know here at Wellspring, we value people, uh, people being honest and real and vulnerable, so if it's okay, I'm going to do that in front of all of you guys today and share just a personal story of how this issue has played out in my life. um, When I was 13 years old, I went through a two-week period that I often refer to as the two weeks of hell. I really experienced severe spiritual warfare. Um, It happened. I was just playing basketball in my driveway. I was 13, just shooting some hoops, And I remember a thought popped into my head, and this thought told me, you're not a Christian, you didn't say the right words when you prayed, and now you're going to hell. I remember I just blew that thought off, I was like, that's ridiculous, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, I always went to church, the thought came back, I tried to fight it, it came back, and it would keep coming back stronger and stronger until I actually started believing this lie. I honestly believed that I was... going to hell, and there was nothing that even God himself could do about it, and this obsessive thought became such a part of me that I became filled with depression and anxiety. I actually, one day I actually skipped class because I didn't even have the strength just to get off my couch. I felt hopeless because I honestly thought no matter what, what I do, I'm going to hell, so there's no reason to live. Um, I went to St. Joseph Christian School, so I was surrounded by, you know, godly men and women, and my parents put me in touch with some teachers there. Some of you that are part of St. Joe Christian School, you might remember this time in my life, and I, you know, I would meet with these teachers for counseling. They would show me scripture on how to move forward from this, and just try to experience breakthrough from these crazy thoughts that I was actually believing. I remember pastors and counselors coming to my house late at night um, to try to just show me Bible verses to help me just have freedom and just move on. I'm 13, like, you know... (laughs) I remember going to different churches in town and meeting with pastors who would pray for me and just try to counsel me and guide me. Um, I finally did, thank God, have a breakthrough moment where I stopped believing the lies and I realized that my salvation was based on my faith in Christ, not on whether or not I said a specific set of words when I prayed. And there have been many other times in my life where I've let my mind be the devil's playground. Uh, Thankfully, we serve a God who wants to help us honor and love him with our thoughts. So let's go ahead and open up to the uh, scripture, see what the Bible has to teach on this issue. Open up to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. It should be page 805 in your pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. All right, it says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, and we praise you for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives, and just through this church. I pray that you would teach us today from your word about how we can honor you with the thoughts that we think. I pray that today would be eye-opening and even life-changing for many people here. We surrender everything to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this book of 2 Corinthians around the year AD 57 on his third missionary journey. Uh, He wrote the letter primarily to the Christians, living in the ancient Greek city of Corinth, and there were a lot of false teachings going around in Corinth that were questioning uh, Paul's authority as an apostle, and this gossip and slander about him, uh, that word got back to Paul, and he devoted good chunks of Second Corinthians to defending himself and defending his authority in the Lord, and as you look at that again, he's using a lot of military language in this passage, and some ancient... In Greek, um, respect to Greek philosophers, they use similar military terminology to discuss their battle against false ideas. And so just like those ancient Greek philosophers, we see Paul using military terminology to discuss his battle against false ideas or anything that would set itself above the knowledge of Christ. He says uh, that we should take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the Greek word there for captive, it indicates uh, to take as a prisoner or to gain control over so again, we have uh, military terminology discussing what we should do with any thought or type of thinking that's contrary to God's truth. Um, we should take it as a prisoner, and Paul didn't put up with any thought that set itself up against uh, the truth. Take a moment to put yourself in Paul's shoes, if you know his story, and imagine the type of thoughts that could have filled his mind. Before he was a Christian, he was a murderer. He went around literally persecuted and killed Christians um, Could you imagine the guilt and just the condemnation that could have filled his life? Paul was responsible for the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, found in the book of Acts. He was solely responsible for that guy's death. He could have let all that guilt and condemnation from his past play over into his present life and eventually destroy his life and destroy his ministry. And Paul, even though he had a dramatic uh, conversion experience, as we read about in Acts where he surrendered himself to God, He could have let his sins haunt him, his past sins haunt him to the past to where he couldn't continue his ministry. But he learned to take every thought captive as we read in verse 5. I want to give you guys some examples of spiritual warfare. You might be like, man, I don't really know what you're talking about. Uh, Maybe there's something in your past that you can't seem to get out of your mind. If you committed some horrible sins in your past, maybe you believe that God's forgiven you, but you haven't fully moved forward and accepted his healing. And maybe you let your past haunt you every day to the point to where it's preventing you from living in joy and freedom and peace. Perhaps it's something that happened to you in your past and it's just scarred you for life. It could be an abuse or some type of trauma that happened to you. And even though you've given it to God more times than you can count, this thing still haunts you every day. And although (laughs) you're trying so hard to move forward from this, this thing just can't get out of your head. And it's affecting your ability to love your spouse and to relate and connect with those closest to you. Uh, maybe it's a past relationship that took a turn for the worst. Perhaps you had a fallout with um, a former friend, family member, or coworker, And every day you have thoughts of anger and unforgiveness towards that person. And these thoughts have a significant amount of control over your life. Maybe the thought of running into them or that group of people in public kind of has you paranoid so when you're out in public you're always kind of looking out of the corner of your eye and it's just you're greatly affecting your ability to live in peace and freedom Uh, maybe it's something that your spouse or your loved one did in their past that you can't stop thinking about maybe it's the image or just this memory from what they've shared with you you keep dwelling on it and it's affecting your ability to love them and it makes you feel insecure, jealous and just unloved I hope I'm connecting with some people here. The Apostle Paul was very passionate about Christians honoring their minds with Christ. So let's look at uh, some of these verses that he wrote. Ephesians 4:22 and 23. He says, "You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds." First Corinthians 2:16. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12:2: "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." And perhaps Jesus said it best when he said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind." Do you love God with your mind? Think about that for a minute. <clears throat> Do you love God with your mind? Take a moment to think about the thoughts that fill your mind on a daily basis. If every person in this room, if we could somehow open up your brain and we could see the thoughts that you think, would they be honoring to God? Could we easily say, that dude loves Jesus. His thoughts are true, his thoughts are pure, his thoughts are noble. I would often, honestly, probably fall short of Christ's standard by letting my mind be filled with thoughts of pride and jealousy and lies and insecurity So many people I run into—they just they fill their minds. They believe these lies that tell them they're not worthy to be loved. They believe these lies that tell them they're not beautiful enough to ever be loved by another person. That these lies tell them that there's no hope in life. That God can't restore their marriage. Do you allow thoughts like that to control you? Do you dwell on thoughts like that? And I think one of the underlying reasons why this issue of your thought life is such a struggle for most Christians is because our thoughts are one of the few things in this life that you can keep from everyone. Nobody can read the thoughts that you think. We do a really good job at hiding them, but in time they can build up and fill us with guilt and insecurity and regret, and they can hinder us from receiving God's love and passing that on to others. Let's look at another passage of Scripture here. Open up uh, your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 should be page 813 in your pew bibles. Ephesians 6:10 through 20. Kind of a long passage here. It says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power." And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Now, Paul wrote this book of Ephesians while he was in prison in the city of Rome, and it's, it's quite possible that his vibrant imagery here of just military armor was inspired by the Roman soldier who constantly uh, walked back and forth and guarded his prison cell while he was in prison. And, um, you know, once again, he's using very strong military language to describe the war that we're going to face as Christians against our enemy, and he says to put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, There's uh, six pieces of armor listed there if you look closely. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, we have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And it's really interesting and important to know that only one, one piece of armor there is offensive. All other five pieces of armor there are defensive. That's why Paul keeps saying four different times, stand firm, stand your ground, stand firm when that day of evil comes. Because if you're a Christian, you don't have to go, you don't have to be on the offensive. We don't have to go looking for spiritual warfare. I promise you, if you're following Christ, the enemy will come find you. He will do everything he can to destroy your life. We're only going to briefly examine just two of those pieces of armor there. Um, It's important to know that the significance of the armor is the spiritual gift, blessing, or virtue uh, associated with each individual piece of equipment. So let's just look at the fifth uh, piece right there in verse 17. Uh, the fifth defensive item is uh, the soldier's helmet. And the helmet spiritually refers to one's salvation. Um, Pauline scholar F.F. F. Bruce, he called it the helmet of victory because the Lord's victory is the salvation of his people. And because of Christ's salvation, we've been saved and delivered and set free from this bondage of sin and evil. So when you consider that a, you know, a helmet would protect one's head in physical military armor, just know that part of our salvation is to live in freedom and to be set free from any thoughts that would cause us to be filled with pride or jealousy or unforgiveness. And then the, uh, the last one we're going to study there, again in verse 17 is the only offensive item, the only offensive weapon listed there, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible that many of you are holding in your hand. Most of you own a Bible that are here today. If you don't, please come see me after church. I'll make sure that you leave with a Bible today. Um, Just because, though, you own a Bible, it doesn't mean you know it. And it doesn't mean you study it, and it doesn't mean that it's the book that you turn to for wisdom and guidance and correction in life. If you... You know, if you reflect and just think about Jesus when he was in the wilderness. He was tempted three different times. Satan tempted him three different times. And all three times, Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. He quoted straight from God's word to stand his ground and to resist the devil during times of temptation. I think you agree with me at this. Uh, If Jesus himself used God's word to stand his ground, I think we'd do quite well to follow in his example. Um, Let's look at one more passage here. This is Paul again in the, um, Philippians 4 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't. I don't know if the apostle could have given us a clearer example of what should fill our minds throughout the day. Um, I mean, but just look at that: is what you think about true? Just, just ask yourself that. Are the thoughts that you think true, or do you often believe the lies that are in your head? Are your thoughts noble? Are your thoughts right? Or do you fill your mind with false beliefs about yourself and your identity in Christ? Are your thoughts pure? That's a difficult one for a lot of people. Are your thoughts pure? Is your mind often filled with lustful images that are on repeat throughout your day while you're working or even with your family? Are your thoughts lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy? To sum it all up, are you loving God with your mind? Are you loving God with the thoughts that you think? Um, When you came in today, you should have received a bulletin. Go ahead and and get that out, a bulletin or a piece of paper. Get a pen or pencil ready. I want you guys to write something down. As you've been listening today, I want you to write down, hopefully something's connecting with you, write down what thought or thinking patterns it is that you need to surrender to God. Um, Is there a person that you need to stop having bitter thoughts towards? Is it something in your past or your spouse's past that you can't seem to move past or forgive them and it's affecting your ability to love them? Is it thoughts of pride or jealousy towards a person or a group of people that you need to forgive? Whatever it is that's preventing you from loving Christ with your mind, just write that down. It could be one word, it could be a couple sentences. Take a minute to do that. conclusion, it's clear that scripture teaches us that we're called to honor Christ with our minds. It tells us the things things that we should dwell on. But you might be wondering, how do we do that? How in the heck do we make that happen? Where do I go from here? Um, I got a few suggestions. First off, depending on what thoughts you have been filling your mind with, you might need to repent. That's usually a pretty good starting point for a lot of people. If your mind is often thinking about things that cause you to be bitter and unforgiving and jealous or if your thoughts fill you with lust you probably need to repent if the thoughts you're thinking are preventing you from loving your spouse and your family and your children the thoughts you're thinking are drawing you away from God or as Paul said if if you're thinking anything that's setting itself up above the knowledge of Christ you probably need to repent second this is so obvious and kind of a duh we should follow Paul's advice and pray Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. But this next part is important. He says, don't just pray for yourself. You're not the only person sitting in these pews today that needs help in this area and other areas of your life. Pray for others. Uh, He tells us in Ephesians 6, 18 to always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Third, some of you might need to find a Christian accountability partner to keep you accountable in your thought life. A lot of Christians seek out accountability to make sure their marriages are staying strong, to make sure they're, you know, they're proactive in their devotional time, to make sure they're avoiding sexual temptation, whether it's you know, through pornography or whatever it might be. But I think some people might need accountability in their thought life. And for some of you, your first step to freedom might just be confessing that to someone. And if you take that, you know, that step of faith, God will honor that and he'll meet you there. And then my last point this is, this is when it gets real good, just to expound on what Bob talked about two weeks ago. we need to be people who know the sword of the Spirit, the Bible, inside and out. Because God's word, the sword of the Spirit, is the only offensive item uh, listed there in Ephesians six, and we can use it to fight off the enemy from anything he can cause us he's trying to cause us to do or think that would cause division in our relationship with Christ. We would be plumb crazy not to follow Jesus' example of quoting Scripture to resist temptation. And this might sound shocking to some of you, but I think we often underestimate our enemy, the devil. I really do. He has been studying you since day one. He has been trying to destroy the lives of God's people since Adam and Eve. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) It's not enough just to come to church here and there, read your Bible here and there, you need to know scripture and have it memorized to where it actually it's actually becomes a part of who you are as a person. Are you going to allow your mind to be conformed to the world, or are you going to allow your mind to be filled with the eternal word of God? Is your mind going to be filled with the eternal word of God? I'm going to give you a, just kind of a goofy story here. Let's say you're in the military, which some of you might be, and you're recently deployed for service, and you, sh- you, know, you shipped out somewhere, let's say in the Middle East. Okay? You're going to have to go through a lot of training and things like that. And when you're in battle, there- if there's one thing you want to know for sure, is you want to know how your weapon works. Whether you got a machine gun, a rifle, a pistol, you want to know how that baby works inside and out, how to shoot it, how to reload it, how to clean it, so you can stand your ground, you can resist yourself. And if you're in battle and your enemy coming at you, they see you, They're firing. they're firing their bullets at you, The last thing you want to do in that moment is whip out the instructions on your gun. Try to figure out, oh man, where's my user manual on how this gun works? That would be so stupid and ridiculous. (laughs) And just as you don't want to go fumbling around in real combat, you also don't want to be fumbling around in spiritual warfare. You want to know your weapon, in our case, this book that many of you are holding. You want it to be second nature to you. So when the enemy comes, you just know it so well, you can just quote scriptures quote scriptures at the enemy. And since honoring, this issue of honoring Christ, you know, with my mind, it's a struggle for me. And I, I seriously have, um, I have a document on my, on my computer called Freedom Thoughts. And I went, I kind of went through the Bible and just researched about every verse I could find that, deal, that deals with um, you know, thinking pure thoughts, honoring Christ and loving Christ with your minds. And what a, I just think, what a powerful resource it would be if each of us here, if we knew, you know, scripture, and the specific areas that we're most vulnerable in, that we could start quoting and be second nature to us, second nature to us you know, when times of temptation come. Um, like I said, I hope this is connected with some of you today. Um, just, just know after service, please feel free. We're going to do communion. And we're going to sing one more song. If anything has hit home with you, you want someone to talk to, please come talk to me or any of the other church leaders here. We'd love to pray with you. If you need to confess something, just to get some things off your chest, to move forward in the right direction, we would love just to be able to listen to you. Uh, So let's pray together. God, we thank you for the opportunity just to study your word. I pray that we would be people who put in the hard work it takes to be men and women who know your word inside and out. Help us to honor and love you with our mind. Help our thoughts to bring glory to you and help us take the necessary steps needed to truly love you with our mind. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.